Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Hey there, friends. Just want to give you a heads up about today's audio. The sermon somehow wasn't recorded correctly, and so uh, we had to um, take the recording from Facebook Live, which is not great, and splice that together with a couple other uh, recordings to put together this message. So it uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow the message, and uh, we're working on getting it fixed. Uh, but hope you enjoy the message. Morning. This morning's uh, scripture reading comes from Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. From the Lord his God, he said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. I want to begin by just telling a story. Uh, there was a, a young man who grew up in... Los Angeles, he grew up uh, enjoying graffitiing on the, for a while he began to, to harness his, his craft, he became really good at it. This, a, uh, a president of a fledgling company took notice of his artwork. I, this uh, president asked him, hey, would you mind putting graffiti in our, in our offices? And uh, this young man, David Cho, asked about the company, and his, his words were, though he thought the company was pointless and not profitable, he agreed. For compensation, they gave him two different options. Either they could give him $60,000 cash for his work, putting out this graffiti artwork around his office, or they gave him a fraction of 1% stock in the company. And David Cho decided to gamble, and he took the fraction of 1% of this worthless, non-profitable a company that was helping high school students and college students keep up with each other. Making that decision, Cho spent some time being homeless. You think he ever second-guessed that decision. Uh, but he had this 0.2% stake in this company. And in 2012, when Facebook went public in the stock exchange, Cho's measly fraction of a percentage of stock was now worth $200 million dollars. For that crappy artwork right there. <laughs> Sometimes the decisions, even the small decisions we make in our life, have really, really big consequences. And, uh, you know, for David Cho, that, that was a small, seemingly insignificant decision that totally changed his life. And what we saw in, in chapter one of Jonah is that Jonah 
made some incredibly consequential decisions. It was more than just about what to do with graffiti. This was actually life and death. Life and death decisions for, <clears throat> for Jonah, but as well for the people of Nineveh, these sailors that happened to be on the boat with uh, Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet called by God to speak God's word. But unfortunately for Jonah, he was called to speak God's word to Nineveh. Nineveh was like the enemy for the people of Israel. So, uh, it, it, imagine now, there, so in Israel, he's given this word, he's told to go to Nineveh. And instead, Jonah decides to go to Tarshish, which is modern-day Spain. So the ap- absolutely other direction, he just completely disobeys this commandment from God and boards this boat to Tarshish. Now, for those who are familiar with the story, we could actually read this with the end in mind. Like we, you know, if you're familiar with the story, you know that Jonah will be pretty much forced to go to Nineveh. But for me, I've spent this week thinking about what was Jonah thinking would happen by disobeying or running in the opposite direction? What was his expectations to happen as he ran? And I think quite simply what Jonah was thinking was he just quit. He just quit our jobs. Jonah had enough. He heard this call from God to do something he really didn't want to do. And in his mind, he was like, this is just too much. I didn't sign. I have to find someone else. I'm, I'm headed the other direction. So like a waiter who in, in, the, in, in the middle of a busy cafe takes off their apron, throws on and storms off. I think that's what Jonah was thinking. He was, I'm just going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to start over. God's going to have to be uh, find someone else. I'm going to hide from. I'm going to hide out from God there in Tarshish. I'm going to join the witness protection program. It's a dad joke right there. Thank you for not encouraging me. I would continue to write them if you laughed. I will stop doing that. So God and someone else. So what Jonah did not expect, the consequential decisions that he did not expect was that Jonah didn't expect the storm to happen. He didn't expect overboarding. He did not expect this giant fish to function as like an unrequested Uber. But what Jonah didn't realize is that these decisions were going to have huge, huge consequences. Though Jonah had quit on God, God had not quit on Jonah. And more importantly, God had not quit on the mission that God gave Jonah to preach to these people who were far, far, far from him. That for me is one of the main points of this story, and especially in the second chapter. What we'll, what we'll see, what this book of Jonah is displaying for us is this. It is a paradox of God's mercy. That's what the story is teaching us. There's a paradox of God's mercy. What I mean by paradox is what seems absurd, what seems contradictory, it ends up making sense. Punishment, as we will see in the end, are gifts of grace. And in the story of Jonah, God's mercy is displayed over and over again in unforeseen, surprising ways. Chapter 1, Jonah simply is a tragedy story. He runs from God. God notices, sends a storm. Jonah is hurled into the sea and he is swallowed whole by a fish. That was the end of the story. Jonah's dead. But this is not a tragedy story. As we see in chapter 2, this fish is not a vehicle of death. It is actually a vehicle of life, of redemption, of deliverance. This fish is a paradox of God's mercy. That which seems to be of death actually gives way to new life. 
Chapter 1 ends with these words in verse 17 of chapter 1. Now the Lord provided, provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. In the midst of Jonah's rebellion, God, God makes vision for a way to, to return to God and return to the mission that God had given Jonah. And it's there in this belly of this fish where Jonah begins to have an awakening. His eyes become open. His heart becomes cracked open again. And he breaks into this poem. He writes this psalm from in the midst of this fish. Verse 2 begins with this. In my distress I called to the Lord, and He answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and You listened to my cry. You went into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All Your waves and breakers swept over me. If if you were to track Jonah's life so far, this is what you will find. This is a story of descent. With each decision, each regrettable decision that Jonah makes, he's going lower and lower and lower. He begins in Israel. He's called by God. He decides to run. He goes lower to Joppa, this port city. And from there, he goes lower into the boat. As we read in chapter 1, he even goes to the bottom of the boat where he's asleep. All these other pagan sailors, they're totally frantic. They're totally awake. They're seeking out God. They're requesting for God to help. And here is Jonah, this prophet, in a spiritual slumber. And when he's woken by these sailors, he's then tossed overboard. And where does he go? Lower. And goes lower. All the way down to the realm of the dead in Jonah's woods. And from this belly of the fish, we have Jonah's God. So far, it's been God speaking to Jonah and Jonah not saying a word back. Now, here we are. Jonah's first words to God. And notice these First words are simple words that though I am in the bottom of the world, though I'm in the lowest of the lows, in my distress I call to the Lord and He he heard me. Even though I'm in the heart of the seas, God's soul can hear my cries. Jonah is beginning to speak about who God is. The irony we find in this story is that Jonah is having the like ultimate rock bottom experience. He continues to descend lower and lower. But what the story tells us is the same lesson that many of us have in our own lives. That Jonah encounters God in the literal darkest and lowest point of his life. The lowest and darkest moment he encounters God. God is not only the God of the mountaintop experiences in our life, but God is also the God of the pit. God is there as well. And when we think we are too far gone, when we think our life is nothing but a tragedy story, when we continue to descend lower, when we hit rock bottom, we are often surprised to find that we are on holy ground. Personally, I honestly, I don't imagine writing this prayer an hour in the fish or maybe even a day. I think after sitting in the darkness for a while, sloshing around with barnacles and I don't know, squids all around you that in the midst of all of this darkness he's wrestling and in the experience of the darkness when he cannot run any longer jonah has this renewed perspective in the darkness that jonah begins to see that's the paradox god is there with jonah in the pit and i know for many of us this is the prayer that we've prayed for 
our prodigal friends and prodigal children, our own prodigal self, that, Lord, may they hit rock bottoms so that they could see clearly again. That's what's happening here with Jonah. There in the darkness, Jonah begins seeing his deliverance. In verse 4, he said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look toward your holy temple. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. From inside this fish, Jonah begins to look towards the temple where Jonah believes he will meet with God and with the other faithful believers again. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapping around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. He's going lower and lower. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my I remembered you, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Notice the deliverance not is only in Jonah's decisions of descent, but it is mercy and grace that begins to pull Jonah up again. Deliverance of dr- drawing Jonah up again, and how Jonah's prayers rose to God feels that he sees something else. Not only what's happened, but he also sees something else, something deeper. Verse eight. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Jonah now has clarity of vision, not only to see who God is, but also to see the choices that he's made. That Jonah doesn't only see that his own disobedience and running in the opposite direction, but he also begins speaking about the idols in which he was experiencing. What idols, we might ask? Well, I think these are the idols that are subtle within most of our lives. The idols of wanting autonomy from God's will. The idol of pride. The idol of judgment. The idol of selfishness. The idol of trying to control who God is and who God loves. And in this moment, Jonah, in his words, idols, and he turns back towards God's love. It's not that God's love was conditional or wasn't going towards Jonah. Jonah was just turned around. This is what happens when we choose life. We, We just... Turn from God's love. And so in this moment, Jonah's declaring, I have been clinging to worthless idols, and I now, I'm going to turn back towards your love. Or so he thinks he is. In verse 9, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And I will say salvation comes from the Lord. But this is where irony and satire kicks back opinion others is that this story is best read as satire. Jonah is having this awakening in his life. He's, Jonah is praising God again. He's making vows and sacrifice in the middle of this fish. He's beginning to speak of God's salvation. But what Jonah does not realize yet is the very meanings of this word that salvation comes from the Lord. He declares that for his own life, maybe for his own people. But his folly is the fact that he knows who deserves God's salvation, his love, and his mercy. I don't think he's thinking Nineveh, the enemy. What Jonah will find out as he continues to go is he is still clinging to others as well. That salvation truly does come from the Lord to whomever the Lord chooses to receive that salvation. And with Jonah's beautiful psalm ends, and we have that last verse, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on dry land.
the paradox of God's mercy being puked up. A picture of being reborn sick. So what in the world does this obscure song written by a man so many years ago in the middle of a fish, what does this mean for us in our life? Remember, this is more than just a retelling of someone's experience of historical facts. This book is a book of prophecy. And what I mean by that is this, that God was using Jonah's life to tell Israel something that they didn't see in themselves, a warning. And what we believe as well is that this book of prophecy is a retelling of Jonah's experience to tell perhaps the blind spots that we have in our own faith, our own vision of who God is. This is trying to open us up, our, open up our eyes to see the deeper story that we can live in, to move, to, to move us towards love and faithfulness. I think this chapter is teaching us about what, what we can do in the dark moments of our own life. If you live long enough in this world, I just know that it's just the human experience that we too will be swallowed up. We'll be swallowed up by regret, by doubt, by anger, by sorrow, by suffering. In the midst of feeling swallowed up, we can just like Jonah in this fish, we can get trapped in it. Waiting for the day where we will be released. Uh, from walking with enough of you in this room to know that right now you're... Many of you are walking in the, something that, and you're waiting for the day where you can be released again. This experience in Jonah 2, for me, is hope. It's paradoxical hope, but it's still hope. Consider, if you will, the stark contrast, I think, of what Jonah was expecting, what he experienced. I think Jonah, when he decided to run from God's calling to go to Nineveh, I think Jonah really said, I want freedom from what God has called me to do, and I want a new life. And so he jumped on that boat. I imagine uh, Jonah on this boat, just enjoying the smells, the wind in his hair, thinking, ah, I get to start over again. And I'm I'm not that person. I get seasick really easily. So I would have taken the Dramamine and been like Jonah, asleep on the bottom of the boat. But for Jonah, I I, I know for some people who love being on the ocean, there's like this expanse your perspective you can see and the crazy thing is that for Jonah he went from what he thought was freedom to very quickly being thrown overboard and being trapped from expansive freedom to being to being held in darkness and this for me is God trying to teach Jonah what true freedom is what true liberation is because the, the truth is for us Uh, when he's there in this fish, we experience this too, that expansive freedom actually can come from darkness in our life. Jonah is entering a crisis in his life, in in his experience with God. And for us, we experience crisis in the same ways. Because maybe the choices we've made, like Jonah, he's made these choices. But sometimes we can make this because choices someone else has made. Maybe we experience a crisis for no obvious reason. This is one of the great mysteries of our faith, is for us to have a a loving, caring, sometimes we can feel like we're at the belly of a beast and we cannot get out. What we experience in those moments, 
we, ask, we want to ask a one-word question, a one-word prayer to God, which is, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I here? And it seems as if that God doesn't care much for the, to answer the why question. What God cares more about is answering the how question. How can I learn from this experience? How can I endure this? How can I move forward? How can I experience healing that God is, cares deeply about the how question. And for as complicated as Jonah is, this prayer that he shares from this fish helps us with the how. How do we see Jonah respond in this moment? Jonah begins with the crazy belief that God hears him. He can go where God will not hear his cries or his prayers. There's no, there's no ex- extent of how low he will go that God is not there with him. Know this. We need to know simply, like the childlike truth, that God hears your cries, that God hears your prayers, that God knows you. That though he's in the realm of the dead, that God is still there, in the pit, in the darkness, in the absolute lowest point of his life. Jonah's prayers are rising to God. What we find is Jonah's living out the psalmist's words in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. When you feel trapped in your darkness, you need to know simply that it is there with you. And there Jonah declares from the pit, from the darkness, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. pit, But the hand of God promises to bring you back to life. Maybe not on your timetable, maybe not in the way that you would choose, i.e. a fish swallowing you, but God will provide a way for you to return to life. This is the crazy truth that we have from our life experiences. Is that not only does God hear us in the pit, not only is God with us there, but God will redeem those dark, challenging moments for a deeper purpose. It is from the pit where we begin to listen to God. We begin to learn to listen. We learn dependence. We learn the difficult posture of trust. Though no one would opt to go into the belly of a a beast, the paradox of God's mercy, it is that oftentimes in those dark moments of our life where we can experience some of the greatest, deepest transformation. An Episcopal priest and, and author, Barbara Brown Taylor, New life starts in the dark. Whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it starts in the dark. We have a feeling, a posture towards darkness, that it's awful, it's negative. But what if the dark moments in our life are some of the paradox of God's mercy, where life begins there? And for those of us who've walked through dark seasons, those of us who've been through that when we have felt trapped and wanted out, sometimes we look back years later and we almost long for the intimacy that was experienced there. When we say, like Jonah said here, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. What Jonah has experienced so far, I think, symbolizes so much of the Christian journey. And what I think that journey is, that we experience over and over again is simply this cycle right here. Life, death, life again. 
Jonah in Jonah chapter 1 is running from God to seek his life. He's trying to find his life. In chapter 2, there is a death that Jonah experiences. He calls his experience being in the realm of the dead. Then Jonah 2 ends with being given a second chance, being given a new life. And Jonah's journey and our journey too will resemble the cycle of life and death and life again. And the harsh truth for us is many of us want transformation. We want growth. We want to see God more deeply. We want to be prepared for this life. And the reality is, this is how God usually prepares people. Life, death, life again. And our preference would be life, life again. Life, life again. But it's in the death that we experience the power of God's transforming work in us die. When seasons of our life die. When all of a sudden all the kids are out of your house, that ends. When a marriage ends. It's, it's lose that career, that profession that you had your identity wrapped in. It's in that death where we experience the paradox of God's mercy. It's this cycle where God is there redeeming restoring, purposing. We find that in Jonah. And it's interesting to me, Jesus actually talked about that. Jesus actually talked about the experience that Jonah had, and he called it a sign. Some of the doubting religious leaders of Jesus' day came to him and said, we're not sold. We're not sold believing that you're the Messiah. Could you give us a sign? Could you really, really show us? Many of us, we were like, hey, I, I believe in God, but I would still like... And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, 39 and 40. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, what's happening here is that Jesus is actually using the experience and the, and the story of the prophet Jonah as an illustration, as a sign of what Jesus was about to do. The sign being his life and his death upon a cross, his days in the tomb, and then his resurrection, his life again. This is the sign of Jonah. Life, death, and life anew. The beauty of the sign of Jonah is this, and this is why I believe that, that this is the sign, the only sign we need, is because if Jesus experienced all of that ahead of us, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God truly is with you. Though you are trapped in darkness right now, that God is with you wherever you go, but especially God is there in the pit. Jesus allowed the cross Jesus went into the tomb to prove us that, that God is in the lowest of the lows. God hears the cries of those who are, are in darkness, or those who are heartbroken. Jesus descended all the way down so that we might feel trapped. We know that the hand of God will lift us up again. When we're swallowed by confusion, that we know that our Savior is with us. We can utter Jonah's words, but you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. The way that Jesus did that is he went into the pit. Not only is Jesus with you, but he will show you the way to life again. 
Not only is Jesus our friend in sorrow and pain and doubt, but He is also our deliverer to hope. Not only does Jesus give us the sign of Jonah, but He also gives us the promise of Easter that after there is death with Jesus, there is always life again. Death will never have the final say. For those who are experiencing any sort of death in your life, you need to know that. Death will not have the final say in your life because Jesus gave us the sign of Jonah. Because of this, we know that death and darkness will not triumph. We will know that we, that we have for us a promise from Jesus and that in the midst of the darkness, we get to say, just like Jonah, sal- salvation comes from the Lord. Not only for me, not only for you, but for all people who turn to him. And what other sign would we need? 